Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 4for4.com. I'm Ryan Noonan, and joining me as always is fellow 4for4.com writer Connor Allen. What's going on, brother? Not too much, man. Just, uh, you know, staying alive out here in this crazy time, um, speculating on some football bets. And, I mean, there's not a whole lot else going on, I would say. How about you? you do you get a, anything down on that uh, golf match today? Didn't get anything on the golf match. We'll be, uh, hopefully the weather, recording this as it's about to start, hopefully the weather cooperates so we can have some good live sports entertainment. They did a uh, something similar last weekend, and it just wasn't it wasn't captivating. I would think that anything having live sports back in play would, would be good, but I'm hoping the format today will be interesting, just exciting to see anything that resembles sports. You're... It does feel encouraging. I feel like we're getting closer to maybe – NBA stuff coming back and baseball looks like it's moving forward. So you're not into uh, Korean baseball. I'm not into Korean baseball. I'm not staying up <laughs> until, uh, you know, 3am to grind lineups and starting lineups for Korean uh, baseball leagues. No, I feel like the people who are playing that are either just like super sharp guys who like really think that they have an edge or just like the biggest degenerates who like legitimately need action on anything. And that's like, just the, the casual guys aren't really playing just because they don't care enough to stay up, like you said, or even no. like even just a grind, whatever edge that maybe you could find, you know, still it's I don't know. It's either one or the other, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like there's always a, there's an edge in fringe sports for sure because uh, you just have, there's less public knowledge. But I think the Venn diagram of, um, you know, grinders and degenerates, <laughs> I think it's pretty it, it overlaps pretty, pretty massively. 100 yeah, so. percent for sure. But man, I, I'm optimistic as we record. I think maybe even more so here as we knock out the AFC than I was a couple weeks ago when we were doing the the NFC. I feel like we're looking good for football. It's encouraging. Um, I want to try to keep that mindset and you know, act like things are going to be happening moving forward. I really don't think that I could handle the thought process of you know some sort of truncated NFL season here. I don't care if there are fans there or not. I typically don't leave the same seats for all 16 <laughs> regular or 17 weeks anyway. So like, I don't really care about going to a game. So I'm really excited. So um, hopefully you're, you're optimistic as well, despite we see you know, the country, which is good. We should be getting back together and some normal, you know, some normal things out there, but um, be safe, be smart. So we don't have to shut down and um, steal sports from us in the fall. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's minimize that second wave, but let's talk AFC stuff. And the AFC definitely feels a little less open than the NFC was when we talked a couple weeks ago. It definitely feels like top-heavy with the Ravens and Chiefs again. But let's go through it, talk about some of the draft picks, some roster moves that we should highlight, um, and how the markets are shaping basically from a win total standpoint, and then a you know who to win the division stuff. So we'll start with the AFC East, which is pretty wide open. Uh, now that things look to be changing here in New England after a two-decade run of, of dominance, uh, we have the uh, – they're still the favorites, though, surprisingly. Their uh, win total across the board is nine. Buffalo is nine in most spots. You can catch an eight-and-a-half massively juiced over at MGM if you have access to that book. Um, New England plus 125 to win the division here. Buffalo just behind them at plus 145. Uh, talk to me about the uh, the AFC East, bud. Yeah, this division is so interesting because, you know, like you said, no Brady. Um, but I'm not really convinced that they don't still sign Cam Newton. I think that it's going to happen um, closer to the season once they can get him in for a physical. And as long as they uh, rework, uh, you know, Thune's 
contract a little bit to open up a little bit more cap room for Cam. But I think it's the perfect high upside move that for them, I don't think that they're really too concerned about him going anywhere else because, frankly, he there's nowhere else that he could be a starter right now in the league that where a team could even show interest in him. So, like, yeah, of course, yeah, I think that he could start over maybe a guy like Gardner Minshew, but they don't really seem to be showing much interest in uh, Cam Newton, which, I mean, for better or worse, is an interesting move. But for the Patriots, I, I do think he's a great fit there and um, would be – Obviously, a lot different than Don Brady, but I think that they're open to kind of changing their system. But giving this time allows Stidham just a little bit of extra time to kind of see if he's ready. Like if if the coaches think he's ready, you know, like maybe they won't get a close up look at him. But I think that they'll get a pretty good idea once they start to have some kind of practices and they can decide, hey, we need to bring in Cam or, you know, maybe Stidham is our guy. And I think that if Cam becomes a Patriot, like in my mind, I think they're the heavy favorite to win the division. And I think he provides them that kind of upside to really um, – push them over the top here. So, so I'm I'm already deep in cam futures, you know, to the Patriots at like anywhere from plus 800 to plus 500. Right now he's hanging out still as a favorite on DraftKings at plus 400. Um, so I'm not going to take any like Patriots futures because for me, I think a lot of that relies on getting Cam Newton. So I'll probably just take the better price and Cam going to the Patriots rather than speculating on them to win the division. Um but I think Buffalo is also kind of a unique team here because they traded away their first for Stefan Diggs. They still have Smokey Brown. Like the passing offense is going to entirely rely on Josh Allen. It's going to be if he takes another step forward, then we're going to see a Buffalo team that's a legitimate Super Bowl contender. If he stays the same or even gets a little bit worse, I mean, he was dead last in deep ball accuracy and throws further than 20 yards. Uh, I think this Bills team is just a lot of hype right now. I mean, he, they were floating nine and a half win totals prior to the draft. Now it's all the way down to nine, eight and a half in some spots, but I'm not really too sure. Are you, are you on the bills here, the Pats? What are you expecting from your, from your squad? Man? Well, you know, the, the Patriot thing is interesting. So like there was a lot of Tom Brady's completely washed last year, right? A lot of talk around that. And then you know, their talent around them offensively is just probably bottom three in the league. And their defense is was outstanding, opportunistic for sure. Um, you know, not going to be super sticky to have that level of turnovers, that level of turnovers for touchdowns. But then they went out and did like a classic New England draft as they flipped their first, um, grabbed a bunch of super versatile um, chess pieces defensively that you know are athletes that can play wherever. Um, I think the defense is going to be outstanding again. I think the discussions around tanking for you know one of what I think will probably end up being top three quarterbacks. There seems to be three quarterbacks in that next draft. I just don't think they're going to be that bad, bad enough to really suck. No. Because uh, the defense is really good. And, and I think they like Stidham enough to be confident to roll with him. I do. I totally echo everything you said about Cam. Cam would be, you know, next level. I would feel that they would be prohibitive favorite. I think right now, again, they're a little favorite. But the Buffalo thing, like, yeah, I mean, they didn't have many holes on their you know, in their roster going into the draft, Steph Diggs is very interesting. Like you said, I mean, it kind of rests with Josh Allen. I think Steph Diggs, I forget where I saw this, and I thought it was a great call. Like, he, his his calling card is how he's such a precise route runner. But that's not necessarily something that's going to jive well with Josh Allen. Like, you know, it's not someone that, you know, obviously Diggs is, is versatile, can do whatever. You know, but his ability to pair with a super accurate quarterback, you know, that's really where a Steph Diggs could have a massive edge He's going to pair well with Smokey Brown. That obviously creates a different dynamic. I think replacing 
Frank Gore with Zach Moss is really good. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of edge rushing. They were able to address it late in the second round with AJ Epinesa, who was really projected to be a first rounder for most people. So I think Buffalo's improved, but to say that they're like head and shoulders above New England here is not something uncomfortable with, despite the lack of holes in New England's talent on the offensive side. The defense is still just going to be good. And, you know, Stidham is, he's got a strong arm and he can move. You know, can they get anything out of Nikhil Harry? Can they get anything out of Mo Sanu? Can someone else step forward here? You know, is there any juice left in Jules Edelman? You know, they drafted two tight ends in the third round. So um, I don't think it's going to take a lot to win this division. I do think nine can probably do it. But, uh, you know, New England does have the uh, the more difficult schedule, but kind of splitting hairs there. Yeah, I think for those two teams, I would say certainly at the top, and then it's kind of like a pretty big tier break here to the next two teams, Miami and uh, the Jets. Like with Miami, I thought um, Anthony Miko made a pretty good point on when Tua would start. He pointed this out on Twitter. Like their first six weeks are just, you know, really tough. It's like Pats, Bills, okay, and then the Jags, which they probably should win. And then Seattle, San Fran to add Denver. So, like, realistically, I'm thinking that's probably a one in five start. And as long as two is healthy, I think that that could be a, an opportune time to throw them in there. Um, but if they're really looking um, to optimize, like, I don't know, I guess his confidence or their ability to win with him under center, there's a five week stretch from week nine to 13 where they play the Cardinals, the Bengals, and the Jets twice with a bye week in between. Ooh. So, like, if you're looking to kind of boost your rookie quarterback's confidence, even if they don't win, you know, like he should play well against those teams. None of their defenses are really all that great. And neither, none of their offenses are fantastic, at least yet. Um, so I would say that those should all be competitive games and should be good confidence boosters. So personally, I would probably do that because they're not going to make a Super Bowl or playoff run most likely, uh, especially after that start. But I'm interested to see how they handle that. And then the Jets, I took a, a position on under seven wins. I thought that was just a bad number. Now it's down at six or six and a half win total. Um, for me, I think it just belongs at six. Like they're not that great of a team. They didn't address too many needs. And the schedule is absolutely brutal. It's the, the second hardest strength of schedule according to sharp, uh, win total projections. So yeah, I mean, I just think that they have a long road ahead of them and, this division isn't easy and their schedule isn't easy as a whole either. So for them to win eight games was kind of a stretch for me. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you have to be really excited if you're a Dolphins fan about how they're starting to build that, um, that roster. I mean, they leveraged all that draft capital, um, you know, having four picks in the top 39, they came away with two starting offensive linemen in the top 39, getting your quarterback of the future in there as well. Uh, they did a nice job. They had, four fifth round picks they flipped one of them to San Fran for Matt Breda as well like you know that's a guy that has a ton of talent that now maybe has an opportunity there obviously along with uh, Jordan Howard but that was a really good way to leverage draft capital too so and again they have they have uh the Texans first and second next year as well we'll get to the Texans later but like Miami is definitely building something and there is uh there's opportunity to move up there after really having that un- lockdown for 20-plus for years. The Jets, man, I'm with you. Like That's the only bad secondary really in the division. Like, it's just if there's nothing there. I think they got Quincy Wilson over from Indy, but like that's not anything that you should be hanging your hat on. Um, you know, with Byron Jones coming over from Dallas to Miami, like they have Xavier Howard. Like there's Miami's building stuff. We know New England secondary is strong. Buffalo secondary is strong. The Jets are really um, – I'm with you. Like they're – Offensive weapons are 
not great. I mean, adding Brashad Perryman, getting Denzel Mims, that improves <laughs> things, but like they're still they're still bottom five in the league. And uh, I'm with you. Like I think that uh, six and a half. I think I would feel more comfortable on the underside of that bet. Kind of echo those those uh, statements. Any interest in the rookie of the year odds we get on Tua? You can get him uh, plus 700 on DK, plus 800 on Fanduel. The problem here is that you know Joe Burrow is going to start 16 games, so you're really exactly you know you're you're staring down the barrel. Yeah, I mean you're already just starting from behind yep. here. Uh, I mean the, the odds are nice, but like he would have to go on an absolute tear to end the season, and Joe Burrow would have to just be like average. I think that would be the only way he would win. Um, and like I mean, I think we said like if he started in whatever week nine and then just like ripped the rest of the season. I mean, maybe, you know, you can make a case for him then. But even then, I feel like that's kind of – that's just pushing it. And is with his rehab up in the air, like, I mean, I'm speculating he'll be healthy by week nine, but I have no idea. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, he could still very well just – they could just shut him down the whole year because they know, like you said, they have more future picks and they're continuing to build up their infrastructure, give them a full off season. Like, it's it's a very big possibility. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm kind of out on the rookie of the year odds for two. I mean, there's just too many offensive rookies – regardless of Burrow, that are going to be contributing heavily here probably over the course of a 16-game season. So you're really, you're really working uh, from behind there. Let's move on to the AFC North. Uh, Baltimore here opened as a minus 175 favorites. Um, they are basically minus 200 everywhere. Um, win total sitting anywhere between 11 and 11.5. And, um, and then uh, Pittsburgh has made a move too. They, have, um, they opened up uh, plus, although it's going the other way, plus 275. To plus 350, though, their win number has jumped a little bit. You're seeing some nines out there now after basically being eight and a half across the board. Um, definitely uh, feels like a Baltimore, though the division on the whole is getting better. Um, what do you think about the AFC North? I actually think that this is the most underrated division in all of football. I really, I'm expecting more from pretty much all of these teams in some aspect or, or the other. And I mean, Baltimore was win total is fair given how successful they were last year in their roster. But I think Pittsburgh takes a big step forward. Their defense was a top five unit last year and now Big Ben healthy. Like I'm a big, big buyer in that offense for fantasy and just in general going into the season because like a healthy Big Ben or even semi healthy Big Ben, like he's been known to play through injuries like the tendons like fell off his arm for him to like shut it down. Um, Like I think that I mean, that's a top five to top ten offense. And so then, like, I think that they're easily a nine-win team. And then the Browns, uh, we see – I've seen a sharp Twitter guy, Suma. I don't really know his actual name. But he is really likes to over here for the win total, eight and a half. And I really get why. I mean, Stefanski's head coach. They should be able to run the ball successfully with Hunt and Chubb, put a lot of emphasis on play action on offensively. And the defense should still be solid. Like, I really think that this is, again, another eight, nine-win team. And then we're still forgetting about the Bengals. Like, the Bengals were – obviously really bad last year but this offense now i mean joe burrow aj green joe mixon tyler boyd t higgins john ross with speed like this is a very very legitimate offensive skill group so i mean i think i'm going to approach them probably with betting like totals and overs early in the season um because their defense still isn't very good so i'm not sure if that translates to wins but i mean i expect them to be a lot more competitive than most people are seeing most people are saying um and i've, I've been talking about it a little bit on twitter but the Bengals are at home week one, and they're three-point underdogs to the Chargers. I mean, right now, I think that they win outright or at least put up a good fight um, and cover. So Spicy. I, I, 
Yeah, I know, I know. Given week one takes in May, <laughs> but um, and I know, I know people will give me some flack for that, but I do think that this whole division is just really, really interesting group of teams. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. I love, I love the uh, week one takes as early as possible. But that's what you're getting on this pod, though. Connor's looking ahead, like we're always trying to find the edges we can find, <laughs> so it's good. I'm with you. The the division was terrible last year, like. That Pittsburgh offense was like historically so bad. bad. It was just terrible, <laughs> and they still won eight games, um, really on the back of a top three defense. So um, you know they didn't have much of a draft, but again they you know lost their first round pick because of that midseason Minka Fitzpatrick trade. But like yeah. they'll make that trade again ten times out of ten. Like he was a, a difference maker for them, and uh, really solidified things in the back half where they've had a lot of issues over the last. 10 years or so um you know baltimore's schedule is really nice especially down the stretch i know that like the win total embedding double digit win totals is not really i think plus ev over the long haul but like their last stretch who they they play jacksonville um home the giants at home and at cincinnati to end the season oh my god so like if you need to get to 12 like assuming they're at nine wins you know, say they're nine and, and four, like it just, I feel like they can get there. So, um, yeah, you know, it's not anything I'd be rushing to get to, but, uh, it feels like a, a pretty good number there. I'm with you. The Pittsburgh thing feels like a good number too. That defense will continue to be good. And if they can get 15, 16 out of Ben, it's hard to not think that that is, you know, probably a, a 10 win football team and, you know, a, a playoff team for sure. So jumping on an eight and a half, or even taking, you know, the better odds to get a nine at that point. Like, I feel like that's a, a probably a pretty good bet. Like, there's a lot of talent there still on offense. Like, if James Conner can stay healthy, that'll be helpful. But if not, like, I think Anthony McFarlane is talented. We didn't see a lot of talent with Samuels and, you know, the guys that are left behind there. But I think that there's enough on the outside, and that defense is going to be awesome. Pretty easy schedule for most of the AFC North as well. Um Cleveland, you know, I haven't dug into that number or really unpacked them a lot, but uh, I get it. I mean, they, that schedule is easy. There's a lot of talent there and uh, really can't go as bad as it did last year. I think having a new coach, um, you know, probably pretty bullish as well, like you on, on Stefanski, I think that's a, probably a pretty good thing. The Bengals, I'm with you. I think that's like an overplay and a DFS thing because um, that defense is still awful. And they really didn't do much to address it in the draft. Or in free agency, I think they'll be able to score. But uh, yeah, I think kind of that whole division is is on the rise. Though I do think it is still Baltimore's uh, Baltimore's place to go. I mean, they didn't do much in the draft either. I mean, I liked Patrick Queen, J.K. Dobbins. I don't know that we'll see a ton of this year. But uh, you know, they flipped a fourth rounder to Jacksonville for Calais Campbell too, and he's going to be an immediate impact on the defensive side. So I think you get two playoff teams at least here with Baltimore and Pittsburgh yep. and. You know, if you're right with now that we're going to seven playoff teams, you could see Cleveland being yeah, pushed and getting in that six, seven spot for sure. All right, AFC South. Uh, Tennessee opened up uh, as a favorite at plus 160, and uh, they are now still uh, actually a little bit behind Indy. Indy has moved from plus 250 as an opener. They're now plus 140 on DraftKings. They are the favorite to win this division. Get me started. AFC South. I I always struggle with these teams just in general and throughout the year just because like they're just so all over the place. But Houston, 
I, we talked about this a little bit before, I think. Like, that offense on paper really isn't bad. It just depends on if they're healthy. Like, Fuller, Cooks, uh, David Johnson, if they're all healthy, I mean, they're it's a, that's a good offense. Like, it doesn't matter if they lost Hopkins. I mean, I know that, obviously, he's a fantastic wide receiver, but if you just kind of remove that from your mind and just look at what they have now, it's still a very legitimate team. Um, but, I mean, David Johnson ran like he had just, like, rocks in his shoes last year. Um, he was, like, so, so bad. Um and so obviously if that continues, like he's just basically was a waste of a trade. Um, and then, but otherwise I think like seven and a half seems a little light. Um, the, for Indy, like they seem pretty much like pure projection with Philip Rivers coming in. Like there were times where he kind of looked like toast last year and I know the system's good. I know the offensive line's good. The receiving weapons are, you know, unproven, but largely exciting. Um, so I don't know. I think that. The nine win total for them seems a little bit rich, but they have the easiest strength of schedule in the entire league by a lot. And part of that comes with playing Jacksonville twice, uh, which is just shaping up to be an absolute dumpster fire. Um, win total of like four and a half. And every report that we hear out of Jacksonville is just that this team has given up. Like the, they last year, they literally just didn't care about games anymore. Um, which I mean, it's tough for us to have much confidence. Gardner Minshew's all obviously an awesome character and an interesting guy, but realistically, he's just a very, you know, average quarterback. So I don't know. I think that this, this division is tough. And then you have the, the Titans where like, obviously they, they showed out and had just an incredible stretch there on the back of Derrick Henry. But can you do that for an entire season? Like, can Ryan Tannehill be the most efficient quarterback in the NFL for an entire year? Um, can Derrick Henry shoulder 25 to 30 carries a game? Yes. Like those are all very important questions. Like, yeah, I mean, like I, that, that, I think those questions, if you can confidently answer any of those should shape your opinion on how this division will end up. I'm with you though. It's so, you know, there's a reason they're all kind of stuck together. It's really hard to differentiate year over year. Like they all just kind of move. No one's really like rock solid team. Like Houston did have that feel for a little bit, but they've just done, a great job at eliminating all their assets <laughs> for like back-to-back seasons. Uh, I just don't understand. I'm with you. Like there's some talent on paper, but like David Johnson is scary and Brandon cooks is permanently concussed and Will Fuller is just waiting to strain some sort of muscle in his legs and his core. Um, you know, Kenny stills feels like a guy that should be better more consistently than he is like, there's some some talent on paper there, but it just doesn't come together all the time. Defense is going in the wrong direction too. Like uh, that worries me moving forward with them. Where um, again they get to play Jacksonville twice, that's really nice and that helps. The indie thing, like you know, people are I think overall bullish on the front office and really how they're building the team there. Uh, Rivers really was bad last year, and you know their offensive line was terrible for the Chargers. But let's see if that helps him get better. I am bullish on their weapons, though. I mean, the, what, the interesting thing, like everyone in the fantasy industry particularly is all excited about Jonathan Taylor. There's a lot of buzz about him pre-draft even, too, and he was a really dynamic player coming out of Wisconsin. The reality is is they had they had moved their first pick, right? They traded their first rounder to San Francisco for DeForest Buckner. So their first pick was the 34th pick in the draft, and they took Michael Pittman. They could have taken Taylor. And I know that they traded up to take Taylor, but I think that that speaks volumes of what they think about Michael Pittman and what we should be thinking about Michael Pittman too, because even though they like Taylor enough to make him probably the 
main competitor against Marlon Mack, they took Pittman first. They didn't want to risk maybe trying to trade up to get Pittman. They locked him up. Um, I think that kid's going to be a stud. I think that speaks volumes to his role in this offense. Again, with T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell is an incredible athlete. He could not stay on the field last year, but like that dude is dynamic with the ball in his hands. I think like a more talented Curtis Samuel, like you can do multiple things with him, get the ball in his hands and, and he's pretty special probably on turf too. So I think the Colts are interesting Tennessee though. Like they're second in strength of schedule. Like they have a pretty easy schedule as well. A lot of advantageous game scripts, which I know to your point, like I think you did a good job at poking holes in what they did last year and how it's, probably questionable to be sustainable but like if things break their way they do have a system that works they draft uh, they drafted a offensive lineman in the first round they got a real steal i think in in Kristen fulton in the second round to help out in the secondary so i think that they could be competitive i get why the odds are pretty much right there with those two teams i really can't differentiate but uh, i do think that they are significantly better um, than the other two i think you may be a little bit more optimistic on houston than I am, but Jacksonville is a mess, a mess. Yeah, just total, total disaster. Like favorites yeah. for Trevor Lawrence, yeah. I would say. Uh, but no, but I think the best part is, is that Jacksonville would screw it up and pick like Fields, Justin Fields, or like uh, Trey. Lance. What's that guy out of North Dakota State? What's his name? Trey Lance. Yeah, exactly. They'll just they'll overthink it and just do that. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence is the damn truth. He needs to go number one overall, and if he does not, it is a, it is a shame. I do really enjoy uh, the Trey Lance highlight reels, though. I'm not going to lie. It's just Matt Miller from Bleacher Report and all these other talking heads trying to <laughs> boost clicks during quarantine. It just means absolutely nothing. It's like yeah, it's just I, a I'm total joke, it man. Is, it's definitely Lawrence, but we'll, we'll unpack that in for another show and another time. But uh, it definitely feels like a, a team that should have been more proactive like to go get Tua like I felt like that was something they could have done and you know I don't know maybe they weren't really bullish on him as a prospect or maybe they just have no clue what the hell they're doing um those are I would say that yeah that's for sure just absolutely no idea uh, yeah it's going to be an interesting division I I think that again having that added playoff team here I think that there's there's a path to having two teams emerge and um, I do think that Indy and Tennessee knowing what we know today assuming everyone stays healthy I think are going to be Pretty competitive all season long. Uh, one division I don't think will be super competitive, though you can make a case that everyone's getting a little bit better here, is uh, the AFC West. The Chiefs here um, opened at minus 400, still sitting there. Win totals basically 11.5 across the board. Let's talk about the AFC West and uh, eventually your Broncos here. Yeah, I mean, I'll kick it off with them. I think that, honestly, kind of a lot like the Bills here, Drew Locke has yeah. very, very few excuses to perform well this season. And there's going to be, I mean, monumental amounts of pressure. If you have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon in the backfield, still Philip Lindsay, like all of those guys are, you know, significantly better pass catching options than, you know, most other teams have. have. So I think that this is a, a great offense from the outlook. It just is going to depend on Drew Locke. Like, can he make the throws? Can he, you know, pick up the offense a little bit more? And I thought that he showed flashes last year. Like there are some really good, Good throws. He made some good plays that um, impressed me. I was never super bullish on Drew Locke as a you were prospect. Not, I can confirm. Um, yeah. But no, I was not. I mean, I, did, I was not excited about him. But when you mm-hmm. surround him with like guys like this, like shit. I mean, anyone can be a good NFL quarterback. Not anyone. You know, good like normal lower tier guys that 
wouldn't normally be projected to be good NFL quarterbacks can definitely do it with these kinds of weapons and like when they have this kind of help. So I think the big question is going to be probably their offensive line um, on on the offensive side. But man, they they really can't mess this up. I I don't think. And if they do, then they're going to have to do a lot of soul searching at quarterback position. And I expect Elway to probably make some moves quickly. He doesn't. He's not a guy who really lingers around on quarterbacks unless he's sold that 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 they're his guy. So we'll see. And then. The Chiefs, obviously, you know, there's not really a whole lot of, to say on them. They're going to probably crank out 11 to 12 wins this year and win the division, uh, barring them a Patrick Mahomes injury. The Chargers, I don't really have a too good of a feel for with Tyrod at quarterback. I don't know when Justin Herbert plays either. It's like I think he needs a little bit of time to learn, but I'm also just not really super bullish on – I don't love him and I don't really love Tyrod. I think the team is interesting, but it's nothing to threaten the Chiefs, I would say. And then the Raiders are just that team that is going to win some games that they're supposed to lose and lose some games that they're supposed to win, vice versa. So it's just it's one of those squads that is going to be really all over the place. I think Henry Ruggs is an interesting case to ascend to like be their number one wideout um, this season, kind of early on here with um, all the vacated targets and just kind of like how that shapes up. And they're also, I think, pretty. I would not be surprised if we see Marcus Mariota play some snaps this year for them at quarterback. Um, if Carr doesn't, you know, start off hot. I don't really think Gruden likes Carr very much. You see him arguing all the time on the sidelines, and maybe that's just part of football, but uh, I don't really think so, to be honest. You know, it's not, it just seems like too many arguments where they're arguing about the play or where Carr was supposed to go with the ball and things like that, like disagree, fundamental disagreements that, you know, maybe aren't really supposed to happen. So we'll see how Mariota fits in there, but I think that if they get a couple of games in here and Carr isn't playing super well, that Mariota will definitely be, be gone to shortly. That's a guy that I'm just, I'm totally whiffed on. I definitely thought Mariota was going to be a thing coming out. Uh, definitely thought like the Matt LaFleur year in Tennessee was going to be a thing for, for Mariota. And it just, it's never, it's never clicked. Uh, he's never really looked comfortable in the pocket and um, immensely talented, just shorts and a t-shirt guy. Like if he's a guy that you want on your flag football team. Um, sure. Yeah. The Raiders are interesting. They went full Raiders here, full Al Davis, old school, Basically, we get the richest wide receiver class of all time, and they just go out and grab the fastest dude. Yeah, I mean, Henry Ruggs does have a chance to be good in this uh, in this offense. You mentioned the vacated targets. There's just a, a big opportunity to be a, a you know a guy that takes the lid off the top here for sure. Questionable draft. I mean, Damon Arnett was a guy that they took it, you know, in the first round that was basically getting mocked in the early second, you know, late. I'm sorry, you know, late second, early third in a lot of spots, off-field issues. Like, I think you said it perfectly. They're going to beat teams that they shouldn't and lose to teams that they should beat. They're kind of a mess. Yeah, the Chargers have a ton of talent. And, uh, you know, I, I know that there's some familiarity with, with Tyrod there, but uh, it just feels like on paper they, they should be able to to get some wins. That defense has got a lot of talent. That offense, like, there's just not a lot of holes. Like, if Tyrod can be capable, like, I don't feel good about them, but can they get to eight wins? Like, I feel like they can get to eight wins. They have the fifth easiest schedule. Um, it really, I think, matters how they perform in the division, too, with those games against the Raiders and Denver. You know, can they take advantage of those? And that could be really the deciding factor on on the Chargers number. The thing about Denver, too, that, like, it wasn't part of their draft. They they went out and used draft capital, too, to add to the defense. A.J. Boye, Jarrell Casey, um, they really improved their roster on both sides of the ball, like whether you think adding Melvin Gordon is a good play or not, like it's just more talent that adds to their offensive side of the ball. Like 
they're a better football team than they were last September. And um, yeah, Drew Locke is going to, he's going to have his work cut out for him. He's going to uh, make a move there. I don't really feel confident that there's a second playoff team here though. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think, I think the Broncos are, you know, eight win team, you know, they'll, they'll have some, some good moments and some bad, unless, unless Drew Locke takes that next step forward, in which case they can maybe vault into that nine to 10 range. If he like really is just playing yeah. well. Um, and the defense, like you said, is, you know, much improved and like kind of jumps into that top five conversation again. Um, but yeah, I would, I think they're all just kind of like that lower tier group, like Denver, the Chargers and, um, the Raiders where they're like, could any be anywhere from seven, eight win teams? The win totals are all right on any, all of them. I don't think any of them have a chance of winning the division. Um, but I'm also not really laying minus 400 on the Chiefs to win the division either. And it's just, just a lot, a lot of money to tie up there. So, I mean, maybe if you can get it on, on credit and you have some extra credit to burn, then go for it. But other than that, just tying up too much money no, for too long. I, I agree. This thing is the right play, but it's not the right, uh, the right way to allocate the funds for sure. It does definitely seems like a, a two horse race. So let's talk about just the odds in general to win the AFC. We really have, depending on the book, you're looking at the Chiefs anywhere from you know, plus 280, plus 300, Baltimore right behind them, you know, plus three and change. Um, is there a third team that you feel confident about that can knock one of these two off, or um, is it pretty much Lock City with these two? I think that it's provided a little bit of value on, like, some long shots here. So, like, you know, I talked about the Steelers a little bit. So we're seeing them at 14-1 to 1, uh, to win the AFC. I don't mind that at all, right? So we, their, their defense, we said they were third in DVOA last year. Um, and obviously performed much better since after they got Minka. Like they were just in a very elite unit. And if we see the Steelers' offense return, you know, at all to some kind of normalcy and potentially maybe even play a little bit better with Deontay Johnson kind of hopefully shaping up a little bit. Um, and James Washington kind of both of those two guys taking a next step forward. Ben Roethlisberger returning to a good shape. I think that that's actually an exciting offense paired with the top three defense. Like, you know, I think 14 to one is a value there, certainly. So like that is a team that I think can vault into those top with those top two and at least compete. You know, I'm not saying that necessarily they'd be better than either of the other two, but I think it would certainly be a conversation. Um, but currently I'm I'm holding a, a Raven Super Bowl ticket at eight to one. Uh, I, I bet it actually like I was collecting my Super Bowl tickets from last year at um, Ameristar like, a couple of months ago. And I bet on the Ravens to win. At all, and I thought I just thought eight to one was good yeah. value. Now they're mostly like six and a half, uh, seven to one to win the Super Bowl, and I think that'll only go up as they continue to like, like you said, you know, I probably have a twelve win season, and at that point, like, you know, they're going to be probably three or four to one to win the Super Bowl. So, um, just kind of figure out to put some money on that early, and since I had it, so why not? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you on the Steelers. I'm pretty sure like early in the season before things went completely wonky, one of those two Ravens losses last year. I'm pretty sure they lost in Pittsburgh. But yeah, that Steelers team can be, like I said, I think they probably win 10 games. I like their over. And, you know, those division battles are always hard fought. I think that they probably do have, if all things go really well, they probably have the best makeup to be competitive and get in the mix with the Chiefs and the Ravens. Like, I do think that they are head and shoulders above and the odds indicate that. But looking at you know, something where you can get them at 14 to one, I think is, is definitely interesting. If you're looking at a long shot, basically that same number is where the Colts, Titans and bills are, um, you know, Brown's a little bit behind that, but those three teams 
And that kind of makes sense. It's kind of how we think it lays out now too. And that's what shapes the market early on. But, you know, hopefully people, you know, stay healthy as we start to get things up and running. And if they do, I think the Steelers are going to be in the mix. That pains me to say. I am not a, uh, <laughs> I am not a fan of the Steelers. We've, as a Patriots fan, I've had lots of uh, contested AFC championship games and things like that over the last uh, 20 years with the Steelers. I am I'm not a fan. So this is, this is pure analysis trying to be uh, realistic here. That's a, it's a great defense in that yeah. offense. Like Juju, Pansy Johnson, you know, whether they get anything out of Chase Claypool or, or James Washington, I just think that they have, they have weapons. We know that Ebron can be a factor in the red zone. You know, he's obviously not necessarily a top 10 pick. Like he was, you know, can deliver on that, but like they have, they have talent and uh, yeah, the defense is going to be awesome again. Yeah. Um, so did you, so now that we've gone through both, like, do you have a, a rookie of the year pick or, um, you know, any other, I guess, award picks? Um, I think Joe Burrow just makes too much sense. Yeah. It's plus 250 still. Um, I know we were eating the chalk last year on Kyler and he, he got all the way up to like, I think he was like plus 200 most of the offseason, then crept his way up to like plus yep. 150 or plus 130, something like that. I just, he has the easiest path. And like we talked about his weapons, like, you know, I mean, he's, it's stocked and that defense was not good last year. Um, and I don't really see too much reason for them to be better, but I mean, they allowed 21 or more points in all but three games last season and 26 or more in over half of their games. And so, you know, if you see Burrow playing from behind, like he's just going to be chucking the ball and there's, you know, not much else he can do. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, plus 250 might be a little bit short, honestly, at this point, just depending on how, I guess, Tua and Herbert um, shape up or if, you know, I, I'm not really too confident on Jonathan Taylor at eight to one. I think that like he's getting way too much hype. I don't know. I've, I've talked about this with Joe Pano and like, I know a lot of the high stakes guys disagree, but Jonathan Taylor and I was going like the third round of fantasy drafts. Um, and he's going to be splitting work to start the year with Marlon Mack. And I don't even know if he's going to start to start the year. Like, yeah, I get to understand that they used their second round draft pick on him and I'm sure they like him. He's a great prospect. There's no denying any of that, but. The reality is that Marlon Mack is still going to see a decent amount of work and like he's not going to Taylor's not going to have the backfield to himself. So for him to really win rookie of the year, it, it needs to be all him. Again, they so. took Michael Pittman first. Like if, if it was Taylor exactly. was the guy, they take Taylor there. And then there was so much depth at receiver. If you really wanted to go get Pittman or someone else or, you know, Higgins or Mims or whatever else happened there in the second round, like then you make that move. But they had said, Hey, if you know we hadn't made that trade yet, if we're gonna leave the draft with one of the two of these guys. They made they made yeah. the guy. So like, I like that I, point. I, just, I think that Taylor is good, but I'm with you. Like I have I've done a bunch of best ball drafts. I have no Taylor so far. It's not I don't not like the player, but it's just there's always someone that's willing to take him before me. They it's coach speak, but they're talking about you know Hines being involved as that Woodhead Eckler mm-hmm. role. You know Marlon Mack was a guy that could catch passes coming into the league. They just haven't really utilized him that way. And he's performed when he's been able to stay on the field. Like, you know, I just, I don't see it. I don't uh, really kind of all the rookie running backs are just kind of, they're all maybe more talented than their predecessor, but like, I don't know that any of them are going to be able to just come in and emerge with this massive, massive role. Like, Edwards Hilaire is going to have Damian Williams. He's not going to go away. He is better, but uh, same thing with like a a Cam Akers or J.K. Dobbins or 
All yeah. these guys have something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to the, the answer to the question, like I feel like it's Burrow or if there's an injury to one of these other backs and someone can emerge. Or, you know, there's a ton of receivers, but uh, all of them have dicey situations. Like is Ruggs going to be the guy that really goes head and shoulders above? You would need probably something to happen in Dallas to really feel like a CeeDee Lamb has like a high enough target yep. share to emerge. And then I, I feel like Denver is going to still want to run the ball a good amount. I don't know that they're going to be a high passing volume offense, but like Cortland Sutton's still there. Like they, they have a lot of stuff there too. Like it just exactly. feels like a burrow because he seems like he's going to be the guy that starts on day one to win and mm-hmm. Herbert aren't. And you know, it just, it's the shortest. It's never, it's never fun. Like he'd much rather cash in a 14 to one rookie of the year play on someone. It's just, doesn't seem like it's advisable. Yeah. I think, like you said, I think that if we see a backup to any of the, you know, veteran guys on, in front of like Hilaire, Taylor, Dobbins, Swift, Akers, like if there's an injury to any of those guys in the preseason or something that'll hold them out for an extended period of time, like you should bet offensive rookie of the year for them at that point, like speculatively. And I think that that puts them in a good position to, you know, have a big enough workload to potentially overtake Burrow if he doesn't turn out well enough. But uh, I mean, right now, I just don't think it's worth the yeah. coin. I mean, I would love to, you know, something happened to Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins was going to have 15 touches. Yeah. That'd be great. But, like, I still think in that situation, it'd be annoying that we would see, like, a bunch of Gus Edwards. And We, we will, know, for sure. They will. It just, it'd be it'd be frustrating. So, yeah. I mean, Burrow is the is a definite play. Like, he's he's going to come in and he'll put up he'll put up numbers. Yeah. That D is mm-hmm. terrible. And then... Any any MVP to, any MVP bets in total here? I don't know. It's it's kind of a tough field. We talked about it a little bit last time, but I think we mostly focused on uh, NFC guys. I'm not yeah, sure. I haven't looked much at uh, an MVP stuff. What have you seen? I grabbed a little bit of Dak at I think I grabbed 16 to one or something like that at a local book. It's mostly like 14 or 12 to one. I still think there's some decent value there just because of all the weapons he has and. You know, they're changing head coaches, so they're probably not going to go with, like, that run-heavy Jason Garrett approach that they mm-hmm. had before. Like, maybe they'll air it out a little bit. So um, I know McCarthy got a lot of flack for his schemes being too simplistic and, you know, other teams kind of learning the schemes that when we saw with him with Rodgers, that was kind of, like, the biggest complaint. And But, I mean, they were successful for so, so long. And, like, you know, I think that that fatigue of them always doing that kind of made sense after they got worn down. But, um yeah, I don't know. I think Dak's in a great position here, and anything above like you know ten to one, I'm I'm interested in him as kind of like a middling ticket here. Um, other than that, some long shots. Like if you're going to go with a really long shot, um, I wouldn't mind you know a guy like you know we've talked about a little bit Ben Roethlisberger or um, at fifty to one, or I mean last year's Lamar Jackson at a hundred to one was just pretty much a fluke, but. You know, like I, th- I think mostly that middle range here of like 30 to 51 is a good range to take a few shots on some MVP um, candidates here. But you need their teams to be winning, and they need to play quarterback. So don't don't piss any money away on Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey. Um, like just don't even bother unless you think they have to realistically go for over 2,000 rushing yards, and their team has to be they have to carry their team to the playoffs. That's like the case for one of them to win. And like basically Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson would have to get injured essentially. So, or have really down years. So that it's not going to happen. So you just got to pick a quarterback on a winning team who should have a better than above average year or a good year. So that, that's kind of like the qualifications there. And you can kind of narrow down the list a little bit for some of the longer shots. Yeah. I think you said it perfectly. Like if we, I know what 
Lamar did last year wasn't was gonna be hard to beat, but like if McCaffrey can do what he did last year and really not even sniff it, like it's a it's a QB award yeah. basically. Like like you said, yeah, there's nothing that's super interesting. I really do think that I think the Dak play makes sense. Um, Roethlisberger, I get like to your point, like he'd have to play and he'd have to play really good, and I'm not sure that that's that's left in the tank. I think he's good enough to left, yeah to be good and make them competitive in the playoffs. But uh, fifty to one. At uh, at DraftKings is a is a decent number, but yeah, I think Dak is uh, is a good play as far as where the odds are. You know, the fact that Russ is barely ever even gets MVP votes is crazy to me. I saw someone it was yeah, zero, right? He's at none. Uh, yeah, and they just need to let Russ cook. You know, that's the thing is they don't let him cook. So, like, he's got to be like the biggest. Like, I don't know what you think. Like, sheep pick here at seven to one. He's the third best odds. Like, he's never even got an MVP vote. And I don't know, is there a reason for us to think that they're going to let him cook? You know, they're going to let him pass the ball and they're going to go away from the run-heavy approach? I would say no. Like, I don't know. Do I you, I, they haven't told – they haven't suggested anything, and I don't know why a coach would all of a sudden switch it up. Like, basically, he just balls out when he's forced to throw, and which is obviously good, but, you know, he's not going to compile stats and he's not going to just really have one of those seasons where he takes off, at least in, in terms of statistics. I know, again, it's just like Burrow. It's not sexy, but, like, Mahomes is plus – he's 4-1. to one. And I know it's not great, yeah. but, like, we're talking about an absolute incredible special difference maker on an electric offense. And even if he didn't have awesome weapons, he would make them awesome because he's just insanely gifted. And it's 4-1. Yeah. to one. And the thing is he does have insanely awesome weapons who are yes. very good. Like, he has some of the best weapons in yeah. the league. So – uh, it's uh, it's not, again. It's not the fun one to to hold the ticket on all season when you would rather chase a you know replication of Lamar last year. But it's Mahomes, man. I feel like we're we're just at the beginning of whatever this run's going to be. If this kid can stay healthy, it's going to be it's going to be insane to watch for the next five years or at least. So yeah, oh yeah, insane. Let's go to the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. We're going to do this again. Uh, we'll start to unpack division by division, uh, in, you know, more in depth. These you know markets will continue to get sharper. We'll look at a little bit more of the players' futures and looking at uh, you know some the prop market as that starts to take uh, take shape over the summer. So we're going to get into some details and um, you know hold each other's feet to the fire a little bit more specifically. But we are here in May. Who's going to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I say that I like the Ravens. As I've told you, and I like the Ravens to win. Um, on the other side, I mean, I'm not, I'm just not really sure. I've talked about speculatively, like the Eagles as a team to watch for. Um, but that's, you know, obviously pure speculation and like upside kind of play. Um, I think the Niners are just too chalky for me. I'll, I'll go with the, the hey, Saints. Welcome. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I know. Exactly. I'm finally, you know, not hating on your Saints that, you love so much and that I called overrated. That was mostly Teddy Bridgewater though. Don't, you know, it's, it was the Teddy Bridgewater hate. So yeah, um, I'm going to have a hard time getting off the saints too. And, um, I think it's the chiefs. I think the chiefs are just going to be on a run here. Yeah. If they could stay healthy, they're going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to really digging in here. We can start to get when some of these markets start to emerge. I know you'll be, you know, I'm sure you're already scraping some stuff as far as the prop market and, um, we can start to get a feel for what those lines look like, and uh, that's going to be fun. I think the props are going to continue to be where, you know, it's kind of the blend of someone who started betting and was betting first, 
and then you get that fantasy background and you start to really merge the two. I think the prop market is is going to continue to explode and we'll see some some you know variations of offerings from the different books and depending on where you live you start to get different access to different markets and there's just a lot of fun things to do with props. So um, you're in good hands because Connor yeah. spends a lot of time digging into that. Yeah, so I, I already made like an, an inward sheet that uh, we've been looking at with that looked at that compared four for fours projections to the prop season long prop market and kind of like uh, and compared them and then I looked at the difference between them percentage wise and total. Um, so I have some good ones that I'll be ready to talk about and I think we'll have some interesting ones to talk about for sure because. There's, you know, a lot of pretty significant differences going forward. So we'll, we'll get to those when we start diving into the divisions. Looking forward to it. So that'll wrap us up for today. Uh, don't forget to find the show on Twitter at Move the Line NFL. Find Connor there at Connor Allen NFL and there as well at Ryan Noonan. And we will be back again with you soon. Stay safe, everyone.